Hello, my friends. Brett Patterson coming at you from the financial capital of the West. That is Salt Lake City, Utah on this fine, cold winter's day. Joined by Brian Huntsaker. Brett, how you doing, buddy? Living the dream, Brian and Spencer Nelson. What's up, brother? Two podcasts in a row with our friend, colleague, and good brother. It's almost like it's Christmas. You're the gift, is that what you're saying? It keeps on giving, Cousin Eddie. All year long, Clark. All right, today we're actually, it's kind of kind of a sad podcast, Brian and Spencer, because it's a funeral. No, no. Yeah. I didn't wear my black. Why are you smiling at a funeral, Brett? <laughs> because this is the death of something that I've been waiting a long time for to die. Okay. Here's the headline I'm going to throw at you all. And this was um, this was a couple weeks ago. It says, Bank of America declares the end or death of the 60-40 standard portfolio. Now, before we jump in and talk about the death of this portfolio and why it should die, understand that the 60-40 portfolio folks listening at home is the most popular portfolio or has been for the last 80 years. And what it is, it's at 60% equities, 40% fixed income slash bonds. And it's made famous mostly because of academia. When you take any finance class or portfolio management class, this 60-40 portfolio, Brian, is shoved down your throat as being the way that people should invest. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because people are chicken. Oh, that's that's bold. I'm going out on a limb. Because a 100% portfolio in stocks is volatile. Doesn't mean it's more risky. It's just more volatile. 60-40 is a lot less volatile. Right. And so that's why it's so popular because, hey, it's not as volatile as the overall market. So anything you'd add to that as far as what the 60-40 portfolio is? Uh, no, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, it uh, it's there to provide, uh, you get some income and you get some growth and you get a good combination, a balanced portfolio uh, is is kind of what we term that was the term that uh, the, uh, the industry uses for a 60/40 as a balanced you know portfolio of stocks and bonds and hey sounds great yep it's the old philosophy of taking 100 minus your age mm-hmm. and that's how much you should have invested in equities right 60/40 popular about 60 years old is when people retire so mm-hmm. that's that's also why it was made popular Hit a, a gentleman uh, by the name of uh, last name Harris and the last name of Woodward or Woodard are the ones that killed this portfolio for Bank of America. They say this is the reason why, and this is what I want to dive into. The challenge for investors today is that both of these benefits from bonds, diversification and risk reduction, which is the benefit of bonds, right, in a 60-40 portfolio diversifies and supposedly brings down risk, we call it volatility. Back to their quote. Seem to be weakening. And this is happening at a time when positioning in many fixed income sectors is incredibly crowded, making bonds more vulnerable to sharp, sudden sell-offs. 
Brian, what do you think of that statement that fixed income sectors, it's crowded and vulnerable? Yeah, we've had several podcasts where we talk about where money's going. uh, And we've talked about this many times where money is coming out of stocks and going into bonds. And uh, that's what that that's exactly what that's saying is it's a crowded trade that everybody you know a lot of people are moving money out of stocks taking risk off the table they're putting it into fixed income money market accounts and uh, and so t- typically when you find the crowd doing one particular thing that's usually not a good investment idea when everybody's buying bonds everybody's buying fixed income everybody's de-risking their portfolio a lot of times that's the wrong wrong decision well a lot of it as well has to do with rates (laughs) interest rates fluctuating all over the place also affects that portfolio if bond rates long-term bond rates are at eight percent or six percent or nine percent well it it's a portfolio that could perform well but the problem is bond rates haven't been there for 20 30 years and so I think that's why you probably can't pick an allocation and say, I'm going to keep this for the rest of my life. Uh, that's why active management is helpful to be able to look at the, the variables involved and do an analysis and say, this portfolio has no chance of outperforming the market. And that's what these guys, Harrison Woodard, are saying. There's no chance it outperforms the market now. I, I would... I've told you guys this. You know this ages me, but when I started in this business, you're old. I'm an old, yeah, I'm an old guy. You guys remind me of that often. Do you turn 104 this year? <laughs> Not this year. I'm still. I still got a decade ago to go. But um, when I started in the business, uh, late 80s, and I remember in the early 90s, money market rates were at six and seven percent. Bonds. You know, you could get a long-term treasury bond at, you know, 8%. And today, the 10-year treasury is at less than 2%. 2%. So, and that's exactly what Spencer's talking about. Today, and that's, that's le- you know, that's at or right around inflation rate. You pay taxes on top of that. That's just not a, <laughs> it's not a winning formula. So, let me, on that note, because I'm looking at some statistics from the 1920s, and this is looking at historical bonds, what their rate of return has been. So listen to this. This takes into account the time period you're talking about as well. Since the 1920s until present bonds have averaged on an annual return basis as an asset class 5.7%. After inflation, real returns, those returns go down to 2.7%. Taxes. Add in taxes, your return goes to 0.6%. So how in the world is someone's retired on a 60-40 portfolio or with bonds as an asset class relying on their income yet taking 4% on an annual basis to live which is the common withdrawal rate, how is 0.6% going to even help you? Yeah. It's not. It's very tough, very difficult. If we can go back 30 years, 30, you know, to the early 80s, the 40, you know, 40 years, 
interest rates, long-term rates were double digits. And a really smart person would have locked in a 30-year treasury at 15% back in the early 80s. That, I mean, that, would, that made a lot of sense. At the time, no one was willing to do it. It was definitely against the crowd and, uh, and it looked like a risky trade, but in hindsight, that was actually a pretty good investment. Um, today, we have the 10-year treasury at 1.8% approximately. And so, you know, tell me, are interest rates going to go, could they go to zero? They could. Could they go negative? If you believe that, then maybe you could argue that bonds are a decent investment going forward, at least for the near term, And you know, if rates were to go negative. But if rates go back up, there's risk in owning bonds. I mean, you're, you're going to lose principal. If, 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 if the 10-year treasury goes from 2 to 3%, your, your principal value is going to go down. And, uh, and and 30-year bonds are gonna you're gonna lose value there so so for those that are wondering what Brian's talking about interest rates and bonds are inversely correlated when interest rates go up bond premiums and the value of a bond goes down so interest rates being as they are now which are extremely low which could get lower in the short term but in the long term 5 10 15 years they're going to go higher. You would think. You would think. Yeah. You never know. You would think. As that happens, bonds are going to go down in value. They are. Here's another quote that Harris and Woodard said. They said, The relationship between asset classes has changed so much that many investors now buy equities not for future growth, but for current income. Huh. You mean to tell me, Spencer Nelson, you can use equities for both growth and income instead of a 60-40 portfolio? Well, I think there's a couple different ways you can get income from equities. Dividends being the most popular way immediately, in addition to just growth in general. If, if the account is growing by 8% or something, that's a yield. You know, if you want to withdraw, if you want to, uh, you know, rebalance and generate income that way. So those are the two main ways that equities can produce income is obviously dividends, uh, good, stable companies that have a track record of growing that payment over time. But then in addition to that, growth itself can be used as an income replacement. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. That's something that we've been saying since I've been to the firm six years ago and Brian You've been saying it for a lot longer, and Spencer, of course. So not only has Bank of America put the nail in the coffin of the 60-40 portfolio, but from a valuation standpoint, Brian, which is very important to us because we're value investors, what does the valuations on bonds look like? So I, I think bonds look pretty expensive, especially if you compare them to stocks. And a lot of, I think a lot of you may have heard of the a PE multiple. Um, we look at the inverse of that called the earnings yield. And we like to compare that, the earnings yield, to interest rates. And the earnings yield, all that is, is you take the profits of a company and divide by the price. Instead of the price earnings, price divided by earnings, you take the earnings divided by price and you get an earnings yield. And you can, and you can compare that to the 10-year treasury. 10-year treasury is at 1.8%. 
and you know stocks at 20 20 times earnings or a PE multiple is a 5% earnings yield. We I like that's just a comparison we do. Well, today if you look at the 10-year treasury at, at let's just round up and say 2%, uh, that's like buying a stock with a PE multiple of 50, 50 times earnings. And that, 50 times earnings at 2% growth. Right. Well, two yeah, not even growth. 2%, I mean, just, just you know, 2%, 2% yield. income, a 2% yeah. income that's not going to grow for 10 years. Right. So we look at that as very expensive. And so when we compare stocks uh, to, say, a 10 year treasury, we think stocks look reasonably you know reason we think they look reasonably attractive especially very attractive relative to um, treasury bonds so there's just to make it clear and i'd say this is the case that equities are preferable for 80 percent 85 percent of our clients there are times where bonds make sense for certain individuals that don't necessarily need the growth i'll throw that out there but i'll end with this one of my favorite Books on investing is called Simple Wealth, Inevitable Wealth by Nick Murray. And we've got two or three of these books lying around. If anybody wants a copy, email me and I'll shoot it out to you. But he says this regarding wealth. He says, real wealth, an income one doesn't outlive and a significant legacy to one's heirs can only be achieved through a program of lifetime equity investing. So whether you're growing your portfolio for you or for generations to come, the best place to do that is in the equity market. Well said. Amen. Hallelujah. With that, my friends, sorry to have a, such a somber podcast of the death of something that's been around and alive for so long. But we let's kill this thing once and for all. Have a great day, everybody. This is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized financial advice for any individual specific situation. Each individual's financial situation is unique, and the topics discussed on this broadcast should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized advice. Specific financial securities discussed are not intended to address any listener's particular financial situation and should not be considered recommendations. This is for educational purposes only. For more information, please contact Iron Gate Global Advisors at info at or by calling 888-591-0334.